Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, guys? And thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. So if you're looking for the podcast this morning, we had a little bit of technical issues, um, and I wasn't able to post at our normal schedule in the morning. But don't worry, it's still out on Wednesday, so technically I am a little late, but I didn't miss the deadline on Wednesday. So anyways, guys, our guest for today is Jake from White Rock Decoys, and we discuss all things decoys decoy tips tactics and strategies and so without any further ado let's jump into the podcast what's going on guys thanks for joining us again for another episode of the duck gun podcast i'm jordan from duck gun chronicles got my co-host alongside me Greybeard elliot um, from freelance duck hunting and our guest for today is jake from white rock decoys how's it going jake it's going great man how you doing doing great good good so I guess uh, go ahead and um, let's know a little bit about what you got going on at White Rocks and about yourself. Yeah, I can definitely do that. Um, a little company history for sure. So I am Jake. I'm one of three owners of White Rock Decoys. Uh, we are known as kind of your mobile decoy solutions um, leader in the industry, really. We've been around for nine years right now. It's going to be our 10-year anniversary in 2019. So uh, we make wind socks and silhouette decoys is kind of what we focus on for snow goose hunting and canna goose hunting and duck hunting and any kind of hunting that you want to do that you need to have light decoys or lots of decoys or, you know, budget-friendly decoys. That's what we kind of, that's what we do. That's what we are. So Awesome. So uh, what would you say, like, uh, as far as, like, how many decoys? I know you guys run a ton. So, like, how many decoys do you guys normally run? So that's a really loaded question. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, so when we started, we started right out of college. And we started, we decided we were going to be snow goose hunters, right? Like, it's my buddy from middle school. I've known him since Adam. I've known him all the way growing up, and we were duck hunters. Um, And then I met my buddy James in college. I actually met him through the refuge forums. I don't know if you've got been on the refuge forums way back 10 years ago, we went to the same college and we connected to the refuge forums and we started hunting the Mississippi river, right? We're duck hunters. And we were hunting just like everybody else, two, three, four dozen duck decoys um, on the river. And we do okay. We'd shoot some ducks for sure. But all of a sudden we found ourselves having a lot of time in the spring, like right around spring break. (laughs) And we decided we were going to be snow goose hunters. So we drive from Minnesota, Wisconsin here, out to South Dakota in the spring for two or three weekends. And we tried to decoy snow geese, and that was kind of our start. And we gathered, you know, six to 800 wind sock, like north winds. You guys ever see those north wind decoys? Um, I'm not familiar with them, no. So they were 10, 15 years ago. It was really only wind sock decoy in the world it was a fiberglass stake or a steel stake and a windsock bag and when there was no wind they would just kind of lay flat on the stake really wouldn't do anybody any good right so mm-hmm. we had 600 of those and 
we wanted to get bigger because you didn't 600 isn't enough <laughs> to hunt snow geese is at least what we decided or what we thought so we started buying silosaki decoys uh back then and like i said just right out of college so we were scraping our money together and we bought 10 dozen silosaks and we started using them and we we got to the point and said man is this really what we're gonna have to like this is what everybody's moving towards they're buying these silosaks and we just didn't really like them that much so we kind of left it there you know we liked our north winds but we didn't like the didn't work without any wind and we didn't really like the silosock avenue so we came back that summer like i mentioned we're, we live on the mississippi river we were camping on one of the sandbars and steinberg comes out in his boat and he's got one of our Northwind decoys and he's got um here i got one here and i can show you guys for the live stream but he's got a back support in it so the windsock will stay up off the ground right mm. when there's no wind we're like all right that's cool steinberg we've we've heard that and we've seen that before he's like yeah but watch this and he grabs it and he folds back sport down on the stake like whoa cool i've never seen that before that looks really cool steinberg and then he does a little shake and it pops back up like that and we're like whoa now that <laughs> that is cool that is something that we've never seen before and never even heard of or understood the concept of because it never existed before they're like steinberg how did you do that you know we we got to make those we need those in our Northwind decoys, that's the perfect decoy. That's what we were looking for. And we're like, all right, yeah, we can make them, no problem. We can get the parts and stuff and we're gonna cut them out in the garage. Meanwhile, uh, James, my other buddy, he's kind of got the uh, go get a mindset. He took that idea and a couple samples to a couple guides that were running out of Mound City. And now back 10 years ago, snow goose guiding wasn't the same game as it is today. There was, you know, a handful of guys running around Squaw Creek, but there happened to be a few guys that um, live close to us. So he took that collapsible back sport idea to these guys. And one of the guys was like, that is exactly what I was looking for. I cannot believe what you just showed me. Can I have 3,000 of them? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can have 3,000 of them. And he took it to another guy. He was like, holy crap, man, that, that's so cool. Can I have 1,000? And we're like, uh, we're starting to add numbers, right? So 3,000, 2,000. Yeah, we got to make 5,000 windsock back sports this summer for these guys. <laughs> like, okay. What, what year was this? So this was right out of college, I think maybe 2007. Okay. I would say 2007. And that was kind of the start of us just in the garage. And we, we made 5,000 of these back supports, put them in our old Northwind decoys, and then we used them, us three guys that following spring. Um, and they worked just like what we hoped they would. I mean, it was what we were looking for, the direction we wanted to go with our snow goose rig. So we ended up selling those silo socks, buying some more Northwinds, and started growing our spread like that. Um, now, we didn't really understand what we were doing at that point, but we decided, you know, we're 20, 21, 22, and said, hey, we've got to, you know, start a decoy company. So um, Steinberg happens to be an engineer. So he went to college for engineering. He knew how to design these plastic pieces that we were making in the garage that first year. And we needed a mold and we needed some plastic. So we scraped every single penny of our existence into a mold. I think it cost about 12 grand 
and we made a mold for the windsock decoy back support at that age 12 grand's a lot of money right right i mean three grand or four grand a piece we yeah i mean we didn't even hardly have it we were scraping the bottom of the barrel but we decided that's what the investment needed to be in the response after that first year from those two guides and showing it to a few other people that we knew we're like i guess <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's try something so that's what we did um that didn't really answer your question on how many decoys we use but it did <laughs> bring it back to the point of you know that's kind of where the company started and the whole point was as a snow goose hunter we want to use more decoys. It's always more and more and more. And we wanted, we started with 600 and, you know, we knew we wanted to get to that 1000 or 1200 or, you know, now for snow geese, we're on 1500, 1800. Um, <laughs> so we really wanted to make something that made sense and we had the right mindset and that's what we did. So, so, so how quickly uh, did you guys grow to the point where you're like, all right, this is what I do. So, we started that first year, we just sold a back support. So we only sold, we didn't sell anything but a back support for a windsock decoy that some people would already have. From there, I would say maybe two to three years, we figured out how to sell a white bag on a stick with the back support in it. You know, we came up, we decided we want to make white rock decoys into a business. I figured out a website, um, figured out how to source some different stuff. We were still doing it in the garage at that point. And James called me one day and he says, Hey, Jake, you'll never guess who just called me or I got off the phone with. And I said, Oh, I don't know who. And he's like, Cabela's. Like, oh, Cabela's called. Okay, <laughs> great. So we're 24 years old and Cabela's just called and said, We want to put your decoys in our store. And we said, Okay, that, that sounds good. Yeah, we totally <laughs> like to do that. <laughs> Let us get and, back to you. <laughs> right. Well, and that's really what's funny was the guy, his name was Ed. I remember um, he, told us something that I never would have guessed, but he says, just so you know, you only get one shot. And I've kind of worked with some younger guys like you before, but if you're coming into Cabela's, you better be ready. So if you're not ready yet, just tell us, go get ready. And then, you know, let us know because we're, we're here, we're watching, we like what you're doing. So we said, okay, we'll let you know. We told Cabela's, you know, <laughs> yeah. just hold on a second. <laughs> and we honestly, it took us another year to kind of figure out what get ready meant in like the whole world business side of things it was you know packaging and hitting timelines and the dollars and cents that made sense and logistics on shipping pallets and storing stuff you know we can't do it in a garage anymore if a semi truck has to come get a pallet from you mm -hmm. so um that was year three year four i think we called back and said okay cabela's we're we're ready and as soon as that that first catalog hit from cabela's and we were on their website and in their stores is when we really saw, okay, that's a legitimate of everybody kind of knowing who we are, some other retailers, some other hunters in the industry, everybody's kind of um, going with White Rock Decoys mindset and we're a real brand. We got a, a little uh, following going on. So I would say year five is when I quit my real life job. I like to say I retired at 27. Um, <laughs> so like 20, we're at like 2012 at that point it would have been like 2012 yeah 2013 probably yeah so five years to full fully grow the line to a point where you know we have more than just a headless snow goose windsock and a few things so yeah and that's that fast. Was, I mean, that, that's quick yeah and that was you know that was the business side of things for sure that was how how that all kind of went down from uh more of a hunting 
standpoint and where I really see kind of where we're going with this concept or where it's gone the last five years, at that five-year point, we had a full line of snow goose wind socks, right? So snows, blues, some headed ones, a storage bag. Um, at that point, we were the owners of a decoy company that sold snow goose decoys, and we only hunt snow geese like a week out of the year. The rest of our time, like we were talking about, is spent on the Mississippi River or traveling to North Dakota in the fall or, you know, wherever we want to go. And we don't own a Canada goose decoy. We're not Canada goose hunters. We never really have been. And that was all mostly because we didn't have Canada goose decoys. We, uh, you know, I've owned four Canada goose hard plastic full body decoys in my life. But we kind of wanted to be, right? We're a decoy company. So <laughs> we, we uh, jumped on the idea of, all right, let's make a Canada goose and a duck windsock decoy. Having never hunted over a Canada goose windsock decoy, not knowing anybody else who had really, like there hadn't been a thing since the 80s and early 90s with those old north winds, and they kind of went away when the full body craze hit. Nobody was hunting, at least that I know of, was hunting Canada geese or windsock decoys. So we made Canada goose windsock decoys, and we decided that we need to, you know, if we're going to make these, we need to back it up. We need to know if they work. You can't. Can you kill Canada geese or windsock decoys? And we're not even Canada goose hunters, but we certainly knew how to hunt. Mm -hmm. So we made it that uh, that first year was our idea was to legitimize, legitimatize uh, the Canada goose and duck windsocks we were making. So we went out to North Dakota in September with a bag of headless Canada goose windsock decoys. And we shot Canada geese, you know, we scouted and we put out 150 decoys and we hid. And we didn't light them up for any reason, but, you know, shot 20, 25 Canada geese, which was more than we ever had shot um, anywhere. So that was like, okay, this might actually work. Then later that year, in October, we had been going to North Dakota with my dad and a buddy and his dad since, you know, I was 12. And our idea of field hunting for ducks was putting out our four dozen floater duck decoys in the field mm -hmm. and sitting by a rock pile and putting a mojo out there and that was we got them we got them if we didn't because they didn't really believe what we were doing we didn't so we never really had a whole lot of excitement field hunting ducks but now we got you know a bag of 300 mallard wind socks and some canada goose wind socks in the back of our truck and we drive out to north dakota and we had two hunts in the field where we killed ducks and geese like no problem over wind sock decoys it was just 100% windsock decoys? 100% windsock decoys, 100% headless windsock decoys. And right. one of the days there was no wind. And that's the question we get all the time. Like, what if there's no wind? Well, like day one, we set them up. There was no wind. And we killed limit of mallards in a field over windsock decoys. Like, so that's where your backstop awesome. comes in. Yeah, right? that, and because of the, the feature that you showed us. Right, the back support. Yeah. Can you so, show that one more time? Yeah, I can pull it up here. So it's pretty standard now in the industry. Um, everybody's got a back support that keeps the windsock up off the ground um, when there's no wind. But the idea is that the wind will still catch it and it'll look good even if you got just a little yeah. wind, as long yeah. as you got that back support in there. And our original concept was you can't store this T-handle. So you fold it down and now you can store it like a, those original north winds that we had 15 years ago. And it pops back up and it's better um, to use that way. But um, anyways, yeah, so that kind of opened up 
you know, the idea of traveling to hunt, getting away from the Mississippi River where we grew up on to chase better opportunities in the Dakotas, because now we have a mobile decoy spread in the back of our truck that we know we can kill ducks and geese over. Um, and that was, you know, that was, that was awesome. But you bring it back home now to the Mississippi River and we're, our, our wheels start turning like, well, like I was telling you guys earlier, we're hunting in a pretty high pressured area and out of boats. So we take flat bottom boats out on the river and we hunt sandbars and mud flats all the time. And we have our four dozen floater decoys and six floating Canada goose decoys, just like everybody else out there. Well, now I got a bag of windsock decoys. I can put 300 decoys in my boat. And now I'm hunting over 300 decoys and they're hunting over 40. Yeah. Next to this refuge full of thousands of birds and they're coming out of refuge and it's like just boom on over and over and over. You kind of win the game if you, you know, know that uh, situation where you're hunting out there on the river with the sandbars. So we started hunting the windsock decoys on sandbars on the over water. And that just was another like, okay, now where, where can we go with this? How can we, how can we use this system? I've never seen anyone else selling mallard windsocks are there a lot of other people even selling them not that i know of there's a couple companies um that do it but they don't what we always say is we're the only windsock decoy company that truly believes in the product because mm -hmm. we use them the other companies you know they started with their hard plastic full body decoys and they always just okay we got to make a windsock decoy we'll one off our product line and here's our windsock decoy yeah but then in their videos and you know they aren't actually using their windsock decoys. They just want to sell windsock decoys. And we literally go the other way. We want to use windsock decoys. I don't want, I have no desire to set out a hard plastic full body decoy anymore because I've seen these work and they're so much faster and lighter and the spread is so much bigger than we can do that. So that's, you know, that's why we make mallard windsock decoys because we hunt mallards um, over windsock decoys for sure. And I saw a video of you even you weren't even on a sandbar. You were just in shallow, a little back little shallow bay. Yeah, yeah. anywhere that, you know, yeah. ankle deep to, they're 24 inch stakes. So anything, you know, six to eight inches deep, which is typically where a mallard will be feeding, right? Yeah. We're mallard hunters. We hunt, we hunt puddle ducks and that's typically where you hunt. You know, if you're hunting four feet deep, that's not where they're feeding. That's not where you probably should be hunting anyway. So that's, yeah, we'll hunt them over water all the time. Sheet water for sure. So. I am super excited to get a hold of some because late season specifically, we hunt the Kansas River that's really, really shallow. And we do a yeah. lot of sandbar hunting. And I think we're even going to try it before the freeze this year. Um, and I'm, I'm, I can't wait to, to give them a try because the, the thought of transporting that many decoys that easily because I mean, we've got to really sometimes bust our butt to get down into these riverbanks and and right. portage stuff and kayak it. And we're this last year we were doing full bodies and you know it's like we're full loaded at about four dozen. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you ever need to walk into a field, there's no other, you know, or walk into a spot. Yeah. The whole reason we exist on the river, we drive our boat and park it, and then we'll walk through the woods to a spot or. You're always walking somewhere when you're, you're duck hunting, even if you're hunting water or field, you got to carry your decoy somewhere. Uh, yeah, so yeah. we try to make the ability to carry more is better in our mind. So that's cool. I, 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 it's a cool product for sure. Yeah. It's a cool yeah. product. 
So here's kind of a question. I don't mean to derail it too much, but kind of going back to hunting the the sandbars and stuff. So let's say like um, the X is like 150 yards away from the sandbar. And so you're saying you set up on that sandbar, you know, you got all your stake, um, you know, windsock mallards and you got this huge set. So you're saying like that'd be good to pull them off the X kind of in a way. So there's two ways to hunt, right? You hunt an X where the birds are. And if you do that, it really doesn't matter what type of decoys you use or how many, as long as you're hidden. And that's, that's really the whole idea of us telling you guys how to hunt is I'm the only decoy company owner that's going to tell you it doesn't matter what kind of decoy you use. If you go go find the X, go sit by the X, put out, you know, a realistic size spread and hide, that's how you kill them. But if, you know, this product makes you get to the X easier, for sure, always hunt the X. Absolutely. No matter what. And that's what we try to do is if the X is further away, then you can, um, would prefer to walk or can drive to, or, you, you know, you can get more decoys out there. You can get to the X easier. Um, if you're running traffic though, which is a lot of river hunting that we do is if you have more decoys, you're going to win, right? Running traffic is all about numbers. So if there's any way to get more numbers, it's having smaller decoys. And that's, that's and what, what percent do. of duck hunters do you think ever in their life have put out 300 mallard decoys? <laughs> very few. man very few i would very say few. there's some duck clubs that leave decoys out uh there's a few guides on the river that i know of that have really really big boats um that put out numbers like that but man it's it's few and far between and yeah. you know this is it doesn't even have to be 300 that's just a number that fits in one of our bags so that's kind of what i use but you but, can realistically do that i mean that's, yeah, that's one bag i we can put out we went to the missouri river maybe three years ago and we had three bags of windsock decoys and we were putting spreads of like 600. <laughs> so how big is one bag on river. you can fit three or 250 headless windsocks in one of our bags so like how so, big is it like uh you know uh, it's like 40 inches long you know it any more than that, they start getting too heavy to, you want to, don't want to carry them around. So they're, you know, 35, 40 pounds and it's the snow goose hunting mindset. It's mm-hmm. less decoys in the smaller space to get your numbers bigger. But if you can get that in your boat now and you can put 600 decoys in your boat, um, cause you know, if I'm talking to the snow goose guys now, they know that they can afford a thousand decoy windsock spread or a 1500 decoy they're okay with you know that canada goose mindset buying canada goose wind socks to get your numbers to three four hundred canada goose wind socks isn't so crazy to them when they're already doing a thousand snow goose wind socks or 1500 so so you can take it down yeah and you can take it down a level too you know five dozen headless canadas and five dozen headed canada goose wind socks in a bag now you're talking 120 decoys you're still double or triple what most guys are putting out Right, Elliot, yeah. you'd say that around there. Absolutely, absolutely. I know when we we've got an 18 foot, um, well built boat that we put on the river if it's high enough. Yeah. And when it's late season cold, we pack that thing so full of crap. Yeah. That it's it almost feels unsafe. By the time you get, you know, we typically go with a couple layout blinds, um, as many full body mallards as we can, as many big full body geese as we can. By the time you're done, and three guys. Yeah. 
it's like in, in your spread still not even not all that big right right you don't feel like it's big enough yeah. and that's you know yeah. we have more confidence and more decoys for sure so that's uh that's yeah, the idea for me, I, I use my canoe so when i go out in my canoe i can fit like one other guy my dog and maybe 12 full body yeah. geese floaters and they're like yeah. it's just you know something like that sounds amazing for yeah. what i do like being able to get a way bigger set because right now i have a small small set <laughs> yeah for sure and there's nothing against small sets either if you're hunting the x you can get away with a lot yeah. less deep um but you know when you want to hunt bigger mm-hmm. that's what you do so now you said you're hunting the missouri river is that like south dakota nebraska borderish? yeah we're hunting that south dakota nebraska border that that area a couple years ago Lots how, many, of how many times have you been there just the once i think we are going to go back this year yeah we we went up there one time and we missed my understanding is is the normally about the mid-november is prime time to be up there and that year it was just a we were a week early i mean the front hit we didn't do very well but the front hit like four days (laughs) after we left yeah it's that's river hunting for you you know it's you gotta look all right that place is unbelievable it was cool yeah it reminded me of home really i mean Mississippi River, not as much, not as big, not as expansive as I thought it'd be, at least where we were. But, you know, it's fun. It, it's fun to go see new areas for me. That's what I really lit or love about waterfall hunting is we hunt the Mississippi River and we'll hunt 20, 25 days a year and never hunt the same spot. And that's hunting at home, right? Like that's, yeah. it's not the duck club mentality. And then you get your trips in there and you go to North Dakota and been going to North Dakota for 20 years and have never hunted the same spot that I can remember. You drive around, you find the birds, you hunt where the birds are. And just seeing different parts of the country or the continent. We were up in Saskatchewan last week hunting snow geese, like middle end of May. And it's just so cool, the places you can go when you have the mobile spread and you're comfortable hunting like that, you know, just driving, going to find them and figuring it out. Uh, the one place that we, we are a little nervous to go on or never really have is south because I know you get more people the further south you go. So we typically travel away from people. So that's that's the idea. So is that kind of that mentality where you came up with the Nomad Chronicles name? Absolutely, yep. I mean, that was a tagline that James came up with one time, you know, be a nomad. But yeah, that's exactly what we want to be that you guys are the true definition of freelance duck hunters absolutely i i mean i do not that's that's one thing we do with our nomad chronicles is we we stay away we get asked to come on guided hunts a lot and i just don't i I like them i like the idea i've been on a few but when you go there and you set up and the guide says okay go over here do this and the ducks will come from over there that's that's not really the (laughs) game that we grew up doing it's not really as fun for me um we went to Arkansas maybe two years ago and we went on a guided hunt down there and we drove around. I've never been down to Arkansas, that Stuttgart area. And I've never seen anywhere like it. There's ducks in every section. Have you guys been down there? You know, I mean, where, where's that at again? In Arkansas, Stuttgart, the, like the no. duck capital of the world, the right? Capital, yep. So every section has water and every section has ducks in it. And you can drive around all day looking at ducks but you know you can't go hunt them like you can't go knock on that door and that person is not going to say yes go yeah. shoot those ducks you're gonna have to pay them or get in with the duck club so we were with a guide and we hunted one of his or two or three of his six or seven spots he's just rotating guys around hunting spots and i'm like yeah i see what it is down here i get it 
but that's not you know that's not what we're living for that's not the adventure that we yeah. we strive for i couldn't agree more i we we had a lease for the first time this past year and we never actually ended up hunting it because uh the ducks just ne- they just never showed up we, yeah. we put millet in there and they, and they just never showed up but honestly as and we were going to only hunt it about 30 percent of the hunts but as the time started coming closer i started just thinking the thought of having that blind out there getting up at the last second casually waltzing out to it and yeah. it was just like the adrenaline of the adventure and the unknown of where are you going to go the public land, and even beating oh, people to places absolutely is that <laughs> it's such an adrenaline rush that's the duck hunting that i know that's the game part yeah. it's you know, then you're then you're actually winning and you're experiencing something new. If you're just getting up and going to your pit day after day, I mean, there's places in the country that's what you have to do to hunt ducks, but there's places that you don't. So that's kind of what we try to do. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think that really stemmed from our snow goose. You know, back in high school and college, when we didn't really know why we wanted to go, we just knew we had spring break off and we weren't going to Mexico. We got in the truck and drove west. In the first two years, we just Try to jump shoot snow geese, and it was so much fun. The things you'd see in the places, the little you know restaurants and motels, the dive motels you can find out there in no man's land. That's the uh-huh. adventure. So lowering that bar to entry to get guys to you know have the confidence to put the decoys in the back of their truck that they know they can drive five hours or ten hours or twenty four hours and have a successful hunt. That's that's what we're about, and that's what. Um, that's what we do. Yeah. yeah, awesome. That's very cool. And I'd say there's certainly a time and a place, and there's nothing wrong with people that have, you know, the the pit blinds. And some people love that, but I think yeah, there's right. some of us it just doesn't quite seem as appealing. Right. So, sweet sure. on, right? Exactly. I so think there's the a lot diff- of guys. All right, go ahead. I think like the similarity you could kind of pull from different hunting. It'd be kind of like Western hunting, where you're always on the move, opposed to like you know, Eastern hunting or like Midwestern hunting when you're hunting for deer and you're like always in your tree stand, but Western hunters kind of mobile. So I mean, sure. two different types of hunting almost in the same kind of, you know, field. Exactly. So kind of changing subjects from uh, where we were at, but uh, just kind of a little bit more about you, Jake. Uh, I guess you're saying you guys hunt a crazy number of trips. It sounds like each year. I mean, maybe not like crazy, but to me, a guy who doesn't do out of state, trips yet you know yet because sure. i'm planning on <laughs> planning <laughs> on it but uh um you know how many trips do you guys go on per year i wouldn't say a crazy amount i i'm pretty lucky where like i said uh five years ago or so i was able to turn this into my kind of job and i do all the marketing and the videos that some of you guys have probably seen our youtube channel that's me filming we kind of go on these hunts as part of what we do to you know run our business but you know, growing up, we would always try to go somewhere for a weekend, you know, three or four days early season, and then try to go to back to North Dakota in October. And then, you know, two trips a year for the original part of my waterfall hunting was what we did. The last couple of years, it's been a little bit more. Um, let's see where we went last year. I make 10 to 14 videos of hunts in the season, three or four or five are usually on the river. So I would say seven trips a year between September and May, which is awesome. It's really exciting, right? Like if yeah, no, that's awesome. think about it, you can hunt waterfall if you're willing to travel 
September 1st or even August 15th, you can hunt them in Minnesota and North Dakota. Mm-hmm. They might have taken that away from Minnesota last year, but all the way we just got done in May. So it's a year round, you know, every six weeks or so, eight weeks, we try to go somewhere. So, so how do you decide when you're going to film a hunt when you're not? I always you film it. Hunt, you all, you, so, you hunt, so you just put out the selective ones that you really like or how's that work? I, I try to hunt when I know it's going to be pretty good. And if we go on a trip, I'll film, you know, the whole trip. And I put out most of the hunts on the trip. Um, if we're around home, at least the last couple of years, I get more excitement if I know I'm going to be able to film and it's going to be good. So I'll kind of hold back and not even go unless it's going to be pretty good. If it's not going to be good, I'll go and hunt. <laughs> is that, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I like to film. Like it, that's what drives me now. I'm, I'm the photographer of the group for sure. <laughs> but uh, the rest of the guys, you know, like how much are you putting down the gun are you are you typically film first shoot second or you guys rotate it how do you guys work that through your group i'm the only videographer of the group so i film everything uh once they get their limit you know i'll set the gun down and shoot a few at the end if i feel like it but um i will always pick up the camera first for sure it's fun. You never know. it's fun. you never know what's gonna come you know you never know what's gonna happen right like yeah. some of the videos we put together we have no idea what the hunt's gonna be and then it turns out to be something whoa i'm really glad i had the camera because now we get to relive that forever so yeah. yeah that is the best thing about filming hunts yeah. is the is and this is why i started filming hunts to begin with because after my dad and i were keeping hunt logs on excel and yeah. after we've been doing that about five six seven eight ten years i would look back at those and i would keep notes but i still i couldn't remember the hunts like i wanted right. to yeah for sure I'm going to keep a video log. And so I just started keeping a video log and it's now I remember so much about every single hunt now. Cause I can go back and relive it whenever I, that's the best part of it. Exactly. I don't care if anyone else watches it or not. <laughs> For sure. Having that yeah, is that's, invaluable. That's awesome. And like I started in college, we had, you know, hunt logs for sure. How many were shooting a trip and we're trying to figure out how to hunt around here. And the logs really helped at that point, you know, like, Oh, now I remember November 17th is when he got to be out there on the river. Whereas if I wouldn't have written that down, I was like, I don't, I don't know, what do you do? But that, once we kind of figured it out, it turned into photography and I was got into taking pictures of the hunt and not just the pile at the end, you know, take the pictures of the video or pictures during the hunt. And then that turned into, okay, I got to buy a video camera. Oh, now I can actually film the hunt. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. We've upgraded equipment and you take more time and up, Dated, uh, you know, editing software, but so do you, do you guys still keep notes and log all your stuff? And if so, what format do you use to do that? Uh, we don't anymore. No, we, we kind of grown up, uh, got kids ran out of time to <laughs> write that stuff down, but I, you know, I used to for sure growing up. Well, I've got a website that came out last year and we're just updating it now and it makes it super easy to hop on the computer and you can even do it off your phone and just log everything about your hunt in about three minutes and then it kicks out statistics. So okay. I've got my last 10 years now logged into this thing and I can see over the past 10 years how well I've done on sunny days, cloudy days, north wind, south wind, per, per each location. I mean, it is, and here, here's the cool, thing. I just found this out yesterday because the, the whole filtering system has just been 
um, just started working. If the last 10 years on sunny days, my average is 2.4 per hunt. And on cloudy days, my average is 3.1, which I was like, whoa. Because you can filter that yeah, down to that information. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you can fil- and you can filter down to that information per where you hunt as well. So you can see like a pool at this pool. How have I done over the time? What conditions have I done the best? So if you guys are ever interested um, in doing that, in fact, if you want, I'd be happy to hook you up with a free membership. Oh, yeah. to go and if, if you're interested, let me know. For sure. I mean, yeah, check it out. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not a big numbers guy. I'm not a stats guy anymore, especially when I'm not pulling the trigger, but yeah <laughs> there's a lot of numbers people out there that could yeah. uh, really start writing stuff down and remember because you're not taking video and picture how are you going to know so yeah. i absolutely start writing stuff down helps you remember it certainly does it's certainly going to appeal to stats guy if you're not a numbers guy that site is not going to be yeah something that but i i am such a numbers guy and play, you know i'm like at work and bored and i can sneak onto it and look at yeah right sure <laughs> but you just do it on your phone right you just yeah <laughs> that's right funny all right. Well, I guess this is a good transition point. Um, so one thing we've been doing, guys, is uh, we got a Facebook group, Fellowship of the Duck Gun. So if you haven't checked us out there, make sure to check us out there. Um, and you can follow me and Elliot on our YouTube channels, Duck Gun Chronicles and Elliot at Freelance Duck Hunting. And Jake, why don't you go ahead and uh, shoot out your social media where people can find you? Yeah, sure. We're whiterockdecoys.com on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All right. So I guess uh, you have anything else to add before we jump to the lightning round, Elliot? I did want to ask about, because I know that um, you guys do the silhouettes as as well. Yeah. And my question was, what do you think is the ideal? Do you think it matters between the two to filter them in together, like the socks and the silhouettes? And if so, kind of what proportionately would you found most successful so i get that question all the time not all the time but it's it's common you know what should i choose a silhouette or a windsock or am i mixing them and what we tell guys is we started with windsock decoys right like we're snow goose hunters we hunt over windsock decoys and we're really comfortable killing birds over windsock decoys even if there's no wind we have a lot of confidence to kill especially ducks ducks are really dumb (laughs) especially in the field they'll decoy to uh, wind socks with no wind, but even Canada's, we prefer to hunt Canada geese over wind sock decoys compared to silhouettes. Um, and that's just personal preference. Whatever you're most comfortable with doing, that's what you should do. Uh, we started making the silhouettes because we get that, you know, uh, I don't know about wind sock decoys question a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not always a lot of wind. So then I'm like, okay, yeah, go to the silhouette for sure. If you have confidence, hunting Canada geese over silhouette decoys has been around forever, right? You guys have seen people, it's a proven tactic. So if you're confident in hunting over a silhouette decoy, that's what you should use. Um, but like I said, personally, we'll grab a bag of wind socks before we grab a bag of silhouettes, but it's really up to, uh, you know, the hunter for sure. Gotcha. gotcha. One I more question I want to ask. I saw I saw a video, and I do. Before we have, we have to talk about the corn hunt before we close this. <laughs> we have yeah. to talk about that. Yeah, but sure. I, I saw a video where you were like running over a decoy with a tractor. Oh yeah, those are our floaters. So we kind of came full circle there. Is all right. We made wind socks and silhouettes, and okay, we still hunt ducks on the Mississippi River for the majority of our duck season at home. We better figure out how to make a 
floating dock decoy, right? So we, we came out with two floating decoys and it's that EVA material that a lot of guys are going to. We just took it another step further where it's a little more rubberized and it follows the Nomad um, idea a little bit better where it can be collapsible and it's lightweight. Um, but it's a, it's a rubberized plastic and it's super durable and you can't break them. And that's, uh, yeah, that's our floater duck line. It's like the old carry lights on steroids, essentially. Yeah, yeah. We ran it over with carry lights were not that tough. It was really funny. So my wife grew up on a farm. I was back there and her dad, I said, Grandpa, I need a big sledgehammer. And we come videotape me. I'm going to beat the <laughs> out of this decoy. He's like, yeah, what are you doing, Jake? Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. So he gets me a sledgehammer and he says something like, why don't I show you how to run it over with that tractor? That'd be funny. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, let's try that. So we went to the shop and we put it down and he fired her up and we ran it over with the tractor. And I honestly didn't know it was going to happen either, but it popped right back. And that's, yeah. that's the material. That's the new age we live in. It was right back into shape. Yeah, I, from, yeah. from where I watched, I couldn't even tell. I'm sure there must have been some tread mark on it a little bit, but I can no, see it on the video. No, it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. The materials you can get these days. So it's a kind of expensive material to make, but if you want a decoy that's not going to break, yeah. get after it for sure. And the paint seems kind of modeled into the shape. So I'm assuming that the paint probably doesn't chip like a lot of do either. Yeah, no, paint's pretty good. So it, we worked a lot of years on getting paint to stick on soft plastic with our flocked head decoys. You know, we've been making soft plastic heads and painting them for a long time. So paint's good. Awesome. Cool. I guess I did have one, one more question kind of brought up from that conversation, but, um, you know, something I was thinking about with your decoy strategy. So when you're setting up like on a sandbar and you got that big spread, kind of what is your your strategy for the setup? You know, I know some people, you know, have different kind of, um, you know, setups the way they set up their decoys. So I guess kind of what do you use for your strategy for that? So we're, we're kind of against, not that we're against it, but we don't really buy into uh, shape, right? Like birds don't sit in shapes. Uh, we make blobs and we come from the snow goose hunting world of, you know, making a big white blob, not a circle, not a donut, not a U. Put the decoys so they look natural to the birds. And that's how we, you know, you can kind of direct them to where you're going to have to sit um, with where you put the decoys for sure. And depending on wind direction and how strong the wind is and the sun and all that stuff, but never hardly a shape. We'll leave a little pocket sometimes on the water for ducks, for sure. Oh, an opening for ducks. But as far as Canada geese, they're coming to the decoys, man. Gotcha. That's interesting. So, and there's there's guys will tell me that I'm wrong, but I'm telling you, that's how we do <laughs> right. it. Yes. If you're killing ducks, you're not wrong. Right. You're killing ducks, you're doing something right, right? Finishing them, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Anything else you want to add, Elliot, before the lightning round? Uh, no, other than that, we will not get off here until we talk about that. <laughs> okay. Other than that, we'll we'll end it with uh, we'll end <laughs> okay. it with uh, epic the epic corn hunt. hunt. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, me either. All right, so lightning lightning round, quick questions, quick answers. Okay. All right, so what gun do you shoot? I shoot a Benelli Super Black Eagle Two. What's your dream gun? Um. I don't have a dream gun. I would have a dream video camera, but I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so, I guess yeah, really for fancy. you, what is yeah. your, your camera you shoot with? Right. You... No, here's a funny story. It's not quick, but that's typically what I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I've crashed two drones in my life, and I finally said I'm not buying any more drones because I keep crashing them into stuff. <laughs> so I haven't bought one for the last two years, and now I'm kind of all right. I really I want another drone. <laughs> I gotta get a well, they got smaller and easier to use and less expensive. Well, they've got yeah. a waterproof one now. I saw. Oh, do this! I saw on go. Facebook it came down the thread. They were splashing it out of the water. There you go. That's that's probably. Well, it doesn't matter if it's dad. if it's waterproof and it sinks. <laughs> no, that's uh, that, well, that's true. They weren't <laughs> fly it through the I rain, but you can't fly it through the river. That would be the point of having yep. that if it didn't float. <laughs> All right, uh, what shot size for ducks? Uh, I shoot three inch BB for everything. Wow, for everything. Everything. Well, wow. other than like teal in September, but okay. I, I mean, like I said, I don't shoot that much, so. Three inch BBs, everything like that. <laughs> All right. Um, ducks or geese? I like ducks. Ducks or snow geese? I like ducks. <laughs> I do. I really do. Face or no face paint? No face paint. Uh, ammunition brand? Mm, cheap. Federal blue box. <laughs> Federal blue box. <laughs> Federal blue box. Like, beard yeah. or no beard? Uh, just the seven-day scruff when you get home has got to come off. <laughs> that, that's the first person that has gone the no beard route. Yeah. Nice. No, that, uh, let's see, uh, Virginia Outdoors also is no beard, but I. Uh... Oh, yeah. Well, can, 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 <laughs> he's so a little, like... well, he's a little younger, so. I love the guy. He's awesome. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, rivers or uh, let's go with fields. Ooh, I like the Mississippi River. Yep. River. All right. Uh, let's see. Mornings or evenings? <laughs> My buddies will get a kick out of that, but uh, evenings. I'm a afternoon hunter. That's a if first. If I don't have two. to get up at three a.m. and I can kill ducks just the same, I'll go out at three p.m. That sounds great. <laughs> and you have you have just as good a success. That depends on the time of year and what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. For sure. <laughs> any uh, any questions you want to add to the the lightning round, Elliot? Uh, what, what, tell me what your cameras that you're using are and whether they're DSLR or, um, I do 95% of my videoing with a Sony PXWZ150, I think it is, whatever those numbers mean. <laughs> now, we I had the same conversation with someone else. It's like, someone needs to get into marketing on these cameras and quit naming them numbers. <laughs> right. Who can keep track? Like, my, my backup question was asked, okay, well, how much does that cost? Because that, that's the question that'll really let you know. And you don't right, have to right, right. So it's not a super high end, but it's not a super low end. It's a, yeah. it's a good one. Actually, Johnny Lewis, you guys had him on here. He told me what to buy, so I trust him. Nice. <laughs> um, Is that I a DSLR? Yep, I got a DSLR, but I don't film with it very often. I almost always film with the Sony. The Sony's a, is not then a DSLR. Um, no, no, it's a full-on video camera for okay. sure. Um, and I got a GoPro and some stuff, but I 95% with that Sony video camera. How often do you use a GoPro? Man, pretty pretty rare. Gotcha. Well, if you have a real nice camera, it's like, and you're and you're not. <laughs> I mean, GoPros are great if, if people don't. No one wants to pick up the camera. Yeah. <laughs> well, if people yeah. are incompetent at using <laughs> the camera, which is the case yeah. of group sometimes. But yeah. What about uh, DSLRs? Use those at all or? No, not too much. And it's really funny, actually. Now I have this really nice, fancy DSLR, and I take almost, I take 100% of the still photos that I'm going to take on my iPhone 7. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, every photo you see on Facebook and our website from the last year and a half has been taken from my iPhone. 
I mean, it does it's a good so job. It's easier to work with them. You know, it's, it's right up. It's right where I need it to be. And they yeah. do a good job. Yeah. It's, it's what so is your much... camera again? A Sony what? XL? Uh, Z150. If you Sony Z150, you'll find it. Yeah, those iPhones are so much more convenient, but I definitely am a fan of the DSLR with a 50 millimeter lens. <laughs> that's my, yeah, you can get that's fancy my bread and butter. <laughs> I'm so busy on that video camera. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. Yeah, that's a nice one. All right, if anyone has questions, go ahead and drop them in here. We'll just keep chatting. While we wait for what? questions, can we talk about the corn hut now? Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's, let's hear the corn hut story from start to finish. From start to finish, all right. <laughs> So, on the river, we our water levels are affected by rain up north, right? Like northern Minnesota, um, when you get a lot of rain, the river comes up. Or when you get your spring melt, it's pretty rare to get that amount of rain in the fall. I would say over the last 20 years, we've kind of had a flooded timber option. You get one every five years or so in the October, November timeframe where it has to rain like 10 or 12 or 15 inches somewhere up north for the river to come up enough to flood it during the fall. And we just so happened to have one of those events a week before the duck season, it was two years ago. And the river came up every single day. It happened around here, came up every single day, all week. We had scouted all summer long, right? We have our plan where all the ducks are. And then that changes everything. So we literally scouted Monday, Tuesday on the river, knowing that the river is going to come up so much that the ducks are going to have to leave the river because there's too much water. The mallards, the wood ducks, they feed in foot of water. So there's going to be five feet of water everywhere in between the railroad tracks on the river. So we started looking for edges. You know how to get off an edge of the deeper water is going to be somewhere where it's shallower water. And we... We're just driving around in our boats trying to find this edge where the water is shallower. And we found some, we found some, you know, we had a couple little plans. We pulled the boat out of the landing on, I think it was the Tuesday before the Saturday opener. And we just drove home a different route, not really looking for a field with ducks in it, but we saw a bean field and it had about 50 teal that kicked out of it. And we're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Never thought about hunting a field. So we go over to the farmhouse across the street and it's not, it's private land. So we had to ask for permission, but we know how to do that. It's pretty rare. The guy says, you want to hunt ducks in my field? He's like, nobody's ever hunted ducks in my field before, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> like have at them. We're like, okay. So we watched it uh, Wednesday and Thursday and we would just watch the duck numbers build uh, quite a bit. As the river kept coming up, it kept pushing ducks off the main parts where they normally be further out into the countryside. And they just kept finding this little spot in the bean field is what we saw. Then that last Friday night before, um, before the Saturday morning opener, we were sitting out there glassing it. We knew that's where we were gonna go. And we were planning on hunting the beans and somebody was picking with their tractor up on the hill. And right at dark, thousands of ducks got out of the middle of this cornfield that we didn't even know were in there because they had been sitting in there all day and we never saw them going and like oh i guess some ducks found the corn there's got to be some water back there in that corn so the plan changed a little bit we the same farmer had the cornfield so we went out there the next morning and we google 
our satellite got a satellite photo uh, that night on Google Maps and kind of found where the low spot might be or why there'd be water back in there. Went out there that morning and kicked out some teal and stuff. They weren't a lot roosted there, but at shooting light, it was just the most unbelievable experience I've ever had in my life because that that cornhole was, you know, 15 yards across and maybe 30 yards wide. And we had five or six guys lining it. And it was literally thousands of ducks at your feet for an hour of an hour and a half, I would say. It was <laughs> just unreal. I mean, it looks like, you know, when you have on the video, you know how yeah. you look around, there's like lots of mosquitoes around. Yeah. That's what, it, was, that's what it looked like on the video. Yeah, it was a beehive, and I've never been inside one of those. You know, you see flooded cornfield hunts sometimes, and we didn't – I've no, never hunted a flooded cornfield. like that. No, no. We, so we had no idea going in what it was going to be, and we didn't have any idea it was going to be anything like that. But we, I was just giggling. Like, that was the first hunt I've ever filmed with that new video camera. Oh, nice. I'm like, I'm taking it out in waist-deep <laughs> water, walking through the corn, and we're carrying our lightweight floater decoys, right? I don't know. Whatever. Don't drop the camera, Jake. <laughs> and I turned it on. I'm like, holy cow, this is this is something special. And I don't think we knew what it was until we got home and I started re-watching it on the on the <laughs> the footage. And I called my guys and I, that was that was unbelievable, guys. I've never seen anything like this on film. There's probably too much stimulus even to intake when you were there. I mean, I'm filming around I had no idea what to film and I edited it together and I'm like, this is gonna be cool. Like there's gonna be some guys that are gonna like this. I put it out there and it just went crazy on YouTube and Facebook and I mean, hundreds of thousands of views and I still get guys. There, <laughs> there was a guy in North Dakota this fall. I was at a gas station buying a cheeseburger and he came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder and says, you filmed that duck hunt in that cornfield, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> People know the duck hunt in the cornfield. Like, you yeah. guys have not seen that. You can go to the yeah. Nomad Chronicles is the name of the YouTube channel, right? Or that's yeah, we have, we have two YouTube channels. It's on both of them on our Facebook page, White Rock Decoys. And yeah. it's called if you have flooded... not seen that, go check it out. What's it yeah. called? It's insane Flooded Cornfield Duck Hunt. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's uh, the most watched video we've ever had by far. So How many, how many views is that right now, do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. It's 100,000 or so for yeah. sure plus. And it's, it was fun. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, I'd say. There was a lot of wood ducks, but there was a lot of <laughs> other stuff too. We were picking out whatever we yeah want. because it got to the point where the shooters were passing up on all sorts of stuff oh, to try yeah to i mean it was, they wanted to kill we could have shot you know hundreds and hundreds of ducks everyone would have just kept shooting you literally could have shot hundreds and hundreds of ducks yeah it was i mean it was, <laughs> it was really funny it was awesome yeah, <laughs> that's, that, video. that was crazy for sure. So I guess this kind of goes without saying, but you guys all got your limit. <laughs> we did. I like I said, we're really careful about when you film your hunt. The guys can't shoot my limit, right? That's party hunting, mm -hmm. and yeah. really. So we were almost done, and they were going to be done. And I'm like, guys, take the camera, film. I can shoot yeah. five more ducks. Like, <laughs> and then I look at the footage of them, what they filmed, and I'm like, oh, this is why you don't film. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get it. But you know, I shot two or whatever yeah three wood ducks are our limit and it was it was cool it was super nice. awesome very cool any bands no bands on that huh? no bands that's a lot of ducks too. band on the river we shot oh, a neck yeah. calling snow goose and a band up in saskatchewan two weeks ago though so that was cool nice. bands are hard, hard to come by as far as yep. i'm concerned yep. yep. 
Looks like we did get a couple questions. So, uh, Mr. Greenhead asked, river on a stormy day or a nice clear day? On preference. Late season on the river in the afternoon, sunny day with a wind. Bam. For sure. And then, let's see. Andrew, what do you think? Uh, is asking about another decoy company. Um, <laughs> he thinks <laughs> that White Rock decoys are, <laughs> are the way to go. <laughs> All right. I like you, Andrew. I think you're right. <laughs> So. Zach says it uh, made his duck depression worse. I agree. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. yeah. It's not too far now, right? It's like June, July, August. We do game fair. We start talking about ducks again. You know, if you guys got a duck event around your area, the Shields ones do a good job. The Cabela's ones are okay. And, you know, the Rogers one, I'll be down there in Rogers, Kansas City, Missouri in August. And, yeah, come say hi. Sure. Well, I may have to come do that. That's only like 30 minutes for me. Oh, for sure. I'll you definitely we'll meet up and I'll say, hey. It'll be fun. Cool. Awesome. That's in August at Rogers? Yeah, first weekend in August. Okay. I love Rogers. It's a great place. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we end this? I, I think we've hit it, man. You've done an excellent job detailing everything. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate the yep. time and talking to you guys and hopefully taught some people some stuff and Oh yeah, one other thing. So um, White White Rock Decoys has put out a um, discount code for you guys if you guys are interested in um, purchasing White Rock Decoys. Um, it's in the description down below, Duck Gun Pod, and it's ten percent off. So be sure to check that out if you're looking into the White Rock Decoys. Yeah, head over to the WhiteRock.com. We got a lot of stuff coming in this time of year, so if there's something out of stock, you know, put a back order in with that code or. It'll be coming in here in June, July. We get ramped up for the season. Awesome. All right, guys, that's all we got for tonight. So we'll see you guys next time. All right, fellas, that's all we got for this week. Thanks for tuning in. So big shout out to you guys. Um, we haven't missed a week since we started this in January. And it's all because the awesome community we have in you guys. And every month we're growing end over end. Um, you know, by large margins and it's all because of the great community we have with you guys and you know thanks for being awesome and let's ride this gravy chain all the way to duck season quick reminder guys hit that five star write us a review it helps us out a ton um, to be able to be found in search and there's no better way you can show your support for us than doing that so anyways guys that's all we have for this week and we'll see you guys next time let's go